This week in Arsenal, the Gunners draw at home to Fulham. Fabio Vieira enjoys a dream cameo. Kai Havertz has a performance to forget. And Manchester United come to the Emirates on Sunday. Let's get into it. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. So, welcome in to This Week in Arsenal. I think this is episode 26. It is Monday, August 28th, 2023. Uh, we are coming to you off the back of um pretty disappointing draw at home to Fulham. And, uh, of course, you know, with uh, I'm here to discuss that with, with Sash, the main man at LT Arsenal. You can follow me at Shamsdale. Uh, this is on Twitter or X, if you want to call it its new name. Also, don't forget to follow the pod slash channel at This Week Arsenal uh, on Twitter, and um, make sure to you know like this video if you're watching it on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, it is currently the LT Arsenal YouTube channel, but we're working on putting together um, you know rebrand and some graphics for that, and um, you know making it look all nice for you guys. So. Um, and otherwise, you know, make sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. That's another place you can find this pod. But um, with all that housekeeping out of the way, um, I mean, Sash, how are now that you've had a couple days to, you know, digest that result? How, how are you feeling? You know, I'm feeling quite okay. Like the day of the defeat was horrible. Actually, it's not a defeat. Why am I saying defeat? But it feels like that, doesn't it? It does. And, um, that day was very difficult and also the next day because, you know, Spurs won, Chelsea won, United won, City won, Liverpool won. City and Liverpool also won the game really late. So I know it's early days, but Fulham at home with like them having 10 men for us to concede the way we did, it left a very sour taste in the mouth. Like I can understand bad performances can happen. But like the way we conceded the goals, it's a game we should be winning 3-4-0. But the fact it's 2-2 two, two, and it's the same old mistakes that have been happening like for the past few seasons and towards the back end of last season, it's very annoying for me. And I think that's yeah. where the irritation comes from. But no, I've cooled off a bit because I think some of the reaction on social media is just, oh my God, crazy to be honest. <laughs> Um, but I've cooled off that and yeah, I mean, looking forward to United, it's just a bit annoying that we have eight more um, days for the game to go as of Saturday. So it was a bit annoying with yeah, the days are approaching fast and I cannot wait for us to put that result behind us with a really convincing performance at United. Uh, how have you been, Sham? Yeah, um, I've, I, I've been good. I, I luckily... Um... I immediately had to get ready and go to a wedding after after the Fulham match, so I didn't have much time to uh, to sulk over it. But I was not I, I was not in a good mood when when the game ended, and you know I uh, 
Um, I swore several times when we conceded in the first minute of the match. We'll uh, we'll get into that moment in a bit. And um, yeah, it was just it, it was just really really infuriating because it's one of those games where if you go back and you rewatch and you look at the stats and you examine the performances, we were we were good, but we shot ourselves in the foot twice. And I, that's that's the great frustration with this team. You know, if we stopped making silly mistakes, I think we are right there with City, maybe maybe a half step behind them. But to to continuously gift goals and and to have these moments of um, just just a lack of concentration is, um, you know, it's uh, just really, really angering for me. But as as ever, you know, Twitter made me feel sensible pretty quickly. Um, You know, I I think it's becoming pretty evident that even if we feel the team is ready for a title challenge. I think a lot of people in the fan, in the fan base are not ready for a title challenge. Um, you know, and we'll, we'll get into all of this, but you know, some of the things I saw about specific players and, and some of the things I saw about how Arsenal are as a team, I even saw a couple of calls for Arteta to get sacked. Um, you know, I just, I just think people need to rein it in a little bit. You know, it's, it's, the third match of the season. There's 35 games ago in the Premier League. We still have the Champions League and the FA Cup and and the whatever Carabobbins, uh, you know, Carling Cup, whatever it's called right now. So, you know, it was really disappointing, but there are there were also some things in there that were encouraging as well. So I'm looking forward to getting into that. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's get into it. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the first goal since you know happened so quickly um so you know for <clears throat> for those of you who have blocked that memory from your brains and i don't blame you rightfully so but you know opening minute of the game uh ball gets played out to saka and then saka kind of just whips a pass backwards towards where the right center back would normally be and um it gets picked up by uh Pereira for Fulham, who just storms down the pitch. I actually think he mishits this pass. I, I think it was supposed to be a pass, but he mishits it. It kind of fools Ramsdale, who's caught in no man's land because of where the ball was intercepted, and it goes in 1-0, um, and Fulham have the lead. And, you know, I think I think there's a good discussion to be had in terms of who's at fault for that goal. I personally think that a lot of the um, a lot of the fault has to lie at the feet of Party, in my opinion, right? Thomas Party's playing it right back. Um, of course, he's not that great of an overlapper. That's kind of one of the issues I have with him in that position. But he he shifts over to the right center back position as White goes for the overlap with Saka, and then I don't know why he does this but he just ventures forward into midfield and he just leaves this massive gap. Like there's no defender on the right side of the pitch for us. Um, and then of course the ball gets played there because Saka thought someone was going to be there and you know, he's, he's in on goal, but um, Sash, I wanted to get your thought as to, you know, do you think, do you think party is probably the person who is at fault for that goal? Do you think it's mostly on Saka? Do you think Ramsdale made a mistake? You know, what's, what's your opinion there? So I think 
the hardest thing to try to decipher from what happened was how much of that was down to the individual and how much of it was down to managerial instruction you know like we are saying certain things like oh this player should have been here but is that what the manager told the player or are we assuming that this is what the manager said so i think we have to keep that in mind as well like before blaming individuals and from my point of view it's a poor pass by saka mm-hmm. like no matter who he expected to be back i still think he should have you know made sure that he didn't give the ball away in that situation and from that i i don't know about ramsdale again like everyone criticizes like his positioning mm-hmm. but how much does the average fan know about like goalkeepers and where they should be because i i i'm telling you something that there will also be a situation where a through ball might have been played and ramsdale's that intercepted no one will say anything then everyone's angry only because it cost us a goal and you know to be fair to pereira i think he takes the goal pretty well and i think the go- i think the fault still lies with saka i think it's a really loose pass it's a f- i'm feeling my way into this game sort of pass which should not happen at this level and look saka does not make many mistakes but when he makes a mistake let's say he made a mistake like let's not overprotect yeah. him and be like oh it's party's fault oh it's ramsdale's fault i still think it it primarily rests with saka and that's fine he made a mistakes footballers make mistakes but i think also it ties into this theme of arsenal conceding really early on at the emirates within the first minute to two we saw it against southampton in the crucial run in when ramsdale hits a stray pass and we just basically give goals to the opposition it happened against bournemouth as well where there was a huge gap on our left hand side like this match we're speaking about the right hand side against bournemouth it was the left hand side where zinchenko was in midfield and there was this huge gap and he had a free cross within the first few minutes so you know it's i think it's a larger theme of how arsenal are not switched on as a unit in the first few minutes of the game and we can blame saka we can blame ramsdale we can blame zinchenko party whoever you want to blame but i think general theme is that we are not switched on when the game starts and we have to be because at this level teams will punish you it does not matter if you're playing luton at home or you're playing city at home you will get punished at this level because players at this level they're capable of doing what pereira did like pereira is a player who gets bantered by everyone but they have the technique at that level they can finish it so from our point of view it's very simple we have to be switched on and i think that's where the conversation should be i think personally rather than finger pointing individuals because individuals make mistakes and yeah. when constant mistakes are made i think it points to a larger theme personally yeah and i i think that's um that's a good jumping off point to kind of talk about that larger theme right where like you said uh bournemouth and then southampton and now fulham that's that's three of our last nine home matches in which we've conceded in the first minute of the game. Um I don't think that's a thing I've seen any other team do at this level and it's it's concerning, right? And I I think, you know, we'll and we'll we'll kind of approach these other questions later on, but there's been discussions about um is Arteta tinkering too much with the system? Do we need to play Gabriel um is it Havertz's fault and stuff like that right but i 
I think that's where the problem is. The fact that we, you know, we're, we're conceding the first minute on a regular basis, basically. Um, three of our last 12 home games, we have failed to keep a clean sheet. That's also pretty bad. Um, you know, there, I think there's something going on in terms of maybe our preparation or how how we are in the the opening stages of home matches that really affects our performance there and i think that's the issue not not the formation not a particular player i think i think you know just what we are doing whether that's i don't like talk ment- uh, talk about mentality but maybe there's a mental aspect of just you know something's going on in those opening few minutes of a match where like we're just not on we're not concentrating and we let teams um take over and get these really great opportunities and like you said in the premier league it doesn't matter whether it's ross barkley in a luton shirt or it's erling holland in a city shirt they are going to punish you if you give them those kinds of opportunities and then it just creates this whole uphill battle and this really draining mental uh, exercise to get back into the match. And that has its own problems as well. But, um, you know, I just, you know, what, what, what do you, do you have any, any take as to what's going wrong there? Like why have we conceded in the opening minute of three home matches of our last nine? I just think it's a simple thing and it's players being switched on players doing their roles and they're not doing it, you know? Yeah. And, it's I, you cannot finger point a reason as to why they are not switched on. Obviously, people that I guess have some sort of agenda against Arteta, they're going to solely blame the manager. And what I think personally is, yeah, you can blame the manager as well because his role is to get the players switched on. And if the players are not switched on, obviously people are going to look at the manager. And I agree, that's maybe partly a reason why. But these players are also professionals at this level, you know, getting paid massive wages. How about have some personal responsibility, some accountability to actually, you know, be switched on? Because I think that's the least you can do. And people speak about Arsenal lacking character, Arsenal lacking mentality and things like that. And I think the problem, if anything, is we show too much character, you know, during games. And after making things so hard for ourselves. So I think you don't have to show so much character. We have so much quality on that pitch. All we need to do is to do the basics right and be switched on as individuals. And I think that's what it's about. Because when we were chasing the game in the second half for 25 minutes, we didn't give the ball away. It was just wave after wave after wave of attack. We can play like that. We absolutely can the thing is to sustain it over 90 minutes. And, you know, again, people will say system, people will say manager, but for me, it's personal responsibility. I think before every game, whoever the captain is uh, or whoever's leading the team talk when the players huddle, they need to say that do your roles properly, be switched on throughout, do the basics right. You know, we can get caught up so in many things like, Oh, be here during this phase and do this and do that. But do the basics first. Be switched on. Be disciplined positionally. Don't give the ball away under no pressure. And also, like, if you feel a pass might not be on, it's totally okay to kick it out once or twice. It's okay to go long. There's a reason Arteta bought Havertz. It's to give us that plan B when we don't want to play out from the back and we want to go long. So, 
I just think it's about players realizing what their roles should be and its personal responsibility. And of course, people are going to say, when are we going to start playing um, as a team that doesn't commit mistakes? And I think it has to be soon. It has to be very soon. Otherwise, more questions are going to be asked. These players have now matured and they're, they're going to be expected to perform at a level where we are trying to compete with City. And if you want to compete with City, playing the way we did in that first couple of minutes and giving the ball away like we did. And it's not a slight on Saka, as you mentioned. It's something that's happened many times. If we continue to do this, forget winning the Premier League. It's just going to be the same as last season. We have to fix up. And it's about each individual having a hard look at themselves in the mirror and making sure they play um, at the level that they can play because they're really... Um, talented players in my opinion yeah yeah it's 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 tough because you know i'm sure this team is kind of geared towards from the from the opening whistle just going straight at the opposition and you know trying to get that goal as as quickly as possible and establish the you know establish that dominance and control the game from the outset but i i think i think you know especially considering this is a team that was the youngest team in the Premier League last season and then got even younger over the summer. I, I think there might be something to said to be said for the fact that, not the fact, but maybe the idea that perhaps this team just thinks they're safer than, they're, than they are in the opening stages of matches. Um, you know, maybe they think it's, it's going to take a, f- a few minutes for the other team to actually get their foot on the ball and to cause them problems. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the issue is, but also, sorry to cut yeah. you off there, but may, sure. may I also add this? The number of games we have actually come back and won after going behind. I think the team almost like, ah, it's okay. Let's give the goal. We're going to come back. But you can't always come back. We saw against yeah. Southampton that it became three-one uh, after eighty-nine minutes, and we did draw three-three, but it still cost us the league. And same against Fulham, we conceded that silly goal at the start, yeah. and. As a result of that, we were chasing the game. And even after 2-1, it just takes that one moment to concede. So the team as well needs to realize that every game, we can't do this hero ball and come back and win. It's not sustainable. Well, also, you know, just your your odds drop dramatically. Your, your odds of winning the match drop dramatically as soon as you concede the opening goal. They, um, I don't know if they do this for, um, you know, Sky Sports or, you know, any other broadcaster. Um, that that people watch, but for NBC Sports in, in the states, every once in a while they have like a graphic come up during mm-hmm. you know right under the scoreboard that says um, for in, in this is in this instance it said you know Fulham forty eight percent chance of winning when they're one nil up and then maybe like a thirty something percent chance of win, uh, a draw and then I think they gave us like a fourteen percent chance of winning that one nil down like 20 minutes into the match or something like that. It was in the first half, right? Yeah. So we came into this as heavy favorites, but as soon as Fulham get that first goal, that first goal, you know, it, it's, it, it's it, it immediately yeah. turns into like this big mountain that you have to climb. So, you know, I'm sure that's a point that Arteta is making to, to the squad this week, especially, and just telling them, you know, if you have to play it safe for a few minutes, just so you don't end up one nil down, then do it, you know, and just, just put your foot on the ball and pass it around a little bit. So um, we'll see what he wants to do there, but it's um, 
yeah, it's it's worrying, and it has to get cut out pretty quickly if we want to stand a chance against City in the title race. Um, speaking of how we start, I think one of the bigger controversies that we've been seeing as we've begun the season is um, Gabriel not featuring in the starting 11, right? Yeah. Um, the first three matches, Gabriel has... Did he come off the bench against Fulham? I think he, I think he did, right? No, he didn't come no. off. So this no. was, again, a huge... Yeah. Point of criticism where Arteta got Jorginho on for Odegaard. And people were like, if you want to shut out the game, might as well bring your best defenders. Yeah. So uh, so he he I think he did come on this, the first two games. But yeah, this yeah. against Fulham didn't come off the bench. And um, it's, you know, turned into a big conversation, especially with links to Saudi clubs popping up. And, um, you know, it seems like they're circling and preparing a bid. Uh, but also Feb- Fabrizio Romano has come out and said something to the effect of, you know, Arsenal have told me that even if they receive a 200 million pound bid, they're not going to sell him. So, you know, why do you think he isn't starting? Do you think it is a tactical reason or do you think that there's something going on behind the scenes? I think the reason is primarily tactical and I know people are going to not like this, but if you see the way we are setting up in the absence of Zinchenko, we play a 3-2 build-up, so you have you have Saliba at the center and you have next to him uh, Tomiyasu or Kivior on the left-hand side before it was Timber. And on the right-hand side, you have Ben White. And then you have the six in Declan Rice. And basically what used to happen last season was we used to have Thomas Partey there and Zinchenko used to join him from the left-hand side. So to say that Arsenal play a lone pivot is actually a lie because, yeah, while there's one defensive midfielder on paper, you also have the fullback that comes and supports him in the build-up. And similarly, right now, we have Thomas Partey coming and supporting Declan Rice uh, from that right-hand side. And in addition to this, Arteta expects things from his players in different phases of the game. So... For example, if you look at our back three, it's very different as we move up the pitch. On certain occasions, you will see Ben White overlapping from that side. On other occasions, you might see um, Tomias or Kiviot join the attack on that left-hand side. So it's quite fluid. And I think what Arteta wants those two side centre-backs, stroke full-backs to do is to offer an option in build-up, but also overlap when the situation calls for it. And I just think, profile-wise, Tomiyasu stroke Kivio stroke Timber are better suited to doing that than Gabriel, who's more of a pure centre-back. So this is the logic behind it. And I think fans are totally right to not want Gabriel um, in the eleven. That's totally fine. Or want him also. Like That's totally fine. But I think the bigger picture is fans are questioning a player's exclusion but not looking at the system, Right. And I think you're, I think if you're for Gabriel's inclusion, then you're against the system, which is also cool. But I think people are misdirecting their anger here. If you want Gabriel back, you have to go back to what we did last season, play with those two centre-backs and play a more conservative sort of approach. Not so conservative, but more balanced, which is fine. I think at the moment, I'm also leaning towards that approach. But for people to say that, ah, it's not tactical, ah, he's off to Saudi, without actually looking at what's happening on the pitch, um, I think 
people are jumping the gun a bit and look again you can disagree with what is happening on the pitch you can say ah we so vulnerable saliba has so much of defensive work to do and i agree with that i think saliba in the last few games the number of last ditch tackles he's made it's too much he's being overburdened right now but again this is the system so whatever issues you have rather than directing it at xyz players exclusion look at the system first so that's what i think personally yeah i um the the way i think about it is you know the the system is kind of meant to put party and rice and havertz um and odegaard all on the pitch together right um and it's it's about having probably your four you know your four best like progressive quote unquote defenders because i you know def- party's not a defender but having mm-hmm. a back four of guys who can all progress the ball really really well um i think i think a big issue with this in terms of how people perceive it is you know we are a club that has not historically really like switched up tactics once we've settled on something right you know in in the days of Wenger you always knew what the lineup was going to be and it would just be plug and play depending on who was in form or who was injured um things along those along those lines right but you could predict pretty often what the lineup was going to be um and then with Arteta you know the first few years that he's been here at Arsenal it's really just been him trying things. And then once he figured out something, he stuck with it. And then last season it was, you know, that same starting 11 over and over and over and over again. And so I think people kind of are under the impression that once we, if we roll up, roll, like roll a lineup out for a particular game, that's what we're doing all season long. Right. So I think Mm -hmm. people see Gabrielle on the bench and like, Oh my God, we're not going to see him this season. He's going to play 70 minutes total. Like what are, it's a waste, right? Um, and that, that's, that's not the case. I mean, I, regardless of what happened on, uh, on Saturday, I, I think Gabriel's starting against United. Um, mm-hmm. But I think in these situations, like you said, it's about dominating the game. It's about, you know, it's that classic 300,000 passes to death line that Arteta had, right? It's about controlling mm-hmm. the ball and and dominating possession and really just pulling the strings to the match. And I don't think Gabriel necessarily is bad at doing that, but there are several players in the team who are better than him at doing that. And also because we're inverting from the right as opposed to the left. Yeah. You know, Gabriel would essentially be the central center back if we were to do that with our, you know, with like the go-to 11 and you especially don't want that. You want you want Saliba being the central center back because that's the guy who can pull the strings in distribution. I think there's something to be said about maybe playing Gabriel at like quote unquote left back, right? I think he might be able to do that job. Um, but it's you know choosing Kivior over him or Tomiyasu over him is not shocking to me, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but like uh, again, it's it, it's just about getting all those guys on the pitch who can control the ball and dominate possession. And I don't think that's how we're going to play against teams that will actually play us. I think we've rolled it out these first three games because we expected our first three opponents to sit back and play low blocks and try to hit us on the counter and invite us to break them down. But you know, 
United, even even though United do kind of play that way as well, I think with United, we're going to go a little bit safer and we're mm-hmm. going to have a more defensive team on the pitch. And, you know, we'll, 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 we'll talk about that later as well. So I'm not, I'm not worried about Gabriel and Arteta's come out and said that he's, you know, he's not leaving the, you know, more reliable sources that I've seen have said that he's not leaving. Um, so, you know, I, it's not, it's not, it's not, you know, a big deal for me at this point in time. Well, I would, I would, I would rather wait and see if like a bid comes in and how we respond. And then that's, you know, that's when I'd start panicking. But, yeah. um, you know, in terms of the, the current system we're playing, do you do you think the new system is working or do you think Arteta needs to stop, quote unquote, experimenting? No, I personally, I'm for what Arteta is trying to do because I think last season, uh, not rotating, I think sort of cost the league, cost us the league. And I think even the season before, not rotating enough in certain situations cost us the top four. And I always use this example because this, that season we missed out on top four. As you mentioned, Arteta typically likes to play that set 11 every single game. But when the moment some player from that 11 is not available, the player who comes in hasn't kicked the ball in like three months or four months, like Nuno Tavares or Sambi Lokonga, just to give you some examples. Last season, we saw it with Rob Holding as well. Look, there are also certain players like Eddie and Ketia who might come out of the blue and score a brace at Stamford Bridge, right? But I think he's still an anomaly to that rule. I think many players want that continuity, that feel of, okay, they have some minutes under their belt. And I think Arteta is trying to prepare us for a longer season. I think Manchester City's success didn't come from them playing the same 11 for 38 games in a row. Now, I know Pep is a bit of a freak. There'll be a run of two games where he'll play the same 11 and won't make a substitution either. I just think he's very different to some of the other coaches. But predominantly, he's rotating every week. Players are fresh. The team is unpredictable. But the style more or less remains the same in terms of, yeah, they control the ball. Whether they go 4-4-2 with uh, Ford and playing as a second striker next to Haaland, or whether they're 4-3-3, or whether they do that... Um, three, two, four, one sort of system. They still control the ball. They keep the ball. They take this thing out of the game when the pressure gets tough. And I think that's what Arteta is trying to implement here. I think he has a very good squad. But I think historically, he's never really used the squad. And this season, because we're playing Champions League, we have to use the squad. We don't have a choice. We cannot play the same 11 twice a week. Or by December, half the team is going to be in the hospital. So we need to make sure that we're rotating. 11 and I think Arteta is doing that he's trying new solutions for example what do you do if Zinchenko is injured what is the approach that we have to use I think last season I'll be very honest with you last season away to Crystal Palace we came off the blocks incredibly well for those first 15 minutes the whole world all the pundits everyone they were like oh wow Arsenal this season they just look like this completely different animal and all that but then the rest of the 65-70 minutes in the game, we were parked in our own box defending. This time against Palace, we were actually playing in their territory for the most part of the game before that sending off happened. And that is also because of the system. And even the first game week against Nottingham Forest, I think we got into so many promising areas, but something was not coming off in the final third. And I think... 
people's criticism that ha ah, gabriel is not that i think honestly if i'm being really honest with you i know we gave away three extremely shit goals this season but if i'm being very honest with you we've not given many chances away right and that's also because of the system if some guy gives the ball away under no pressure and we concede from a set piece or we concede from a counter attacking situation where everyone's in forest forest half and we're 2-0 up and we're not managing the game properly and elanga runs the length of the pitch and squares it that's not because gabriel is not on the pitch that's because individuals didn't apply themselves in that situation and i think this is where i might disagree with you slightly when you say that you think arteta might change it up against united i think he's someone who sees the process over the outcome so and he's if there's ever a manager in the world who doesn't succumb to social media pressure it's arteta so i don't see him personally changing with it i think any change that we might see will come only post the international break so i personally am expecting more of the same from arteta against united yeah and you know i think i think there is um i think that is one of the potential outcomes where you know arteta does look less at the badge and more at how they're actually playing and decides to you know stick with what we've been doing because again you know ten hag said himself he wants to be the best attacking or counter attacking team on the planet so you know that is that does kind of play into this current setup i'm just i'm i'm frankly just kind of terrified of the idea of rashford coming down against party and i'm much less scared of anthony going up against uh, zinchenko but um yeah i mean i i think i think the important thing is that you know this team is always unpre- well not always but this the important thing is to make this team as unpredictable as it can be right and you know having these different options to use and arteta's even been on the record as saying that sometimes you know his his lineup decisions are last minute right and so it's it's about being unpredictable because if if the opposition doesn't know which players are going to set foot on the pitch it becomes way harder to plan for us so you know i'm i'm sure every premier league coach saw gabriel not in the lineup and they're like i i don't i don't know what's going on right now i don't know i don't i, I don't what what do i do here right so you know i i think that's really beneficial heading into sunday where you know we could go back to go back to you know Ben White, Saliba, Gabriel Zinchenko and play that way or we could do what we what we've been doing right and that makes it that much harder for United to kind of have a game plan for us so you know um i think that's something that a lot that a lot of people don't take into account and if you just roll out the same 11 38 times in a row regardless of whether or not they stay injured or sorry they they stay fit that eventually gets figured out right and that we did see that get figured out i would say shortly after the world cup right where teams started playing the long balls over the top against us um and kind of you know forcing us to defend on the back foot a little bit um and giving us trouble that way and also you know getting at us through set pieces as well so um yeah you 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 just can't you can't play the same way forever in the premier league you have to you have to change it up a little bit Um and and the last point I'll make on this is that you know I think we did have a plan involving Timber, right? For inverting party from from right back 
and then Timber was going to be that left back, or maybe maybe Timber was going to be the right back, you know? So I think Timber Timber getting injured and probably missing most, if not all, of the season has really thrown a wrench into things. And I I'm inclined to believe that at least part of this is Arteta trying to replace Timber in the lineup somehow. I personally hope we go into the transfer market and and get another right back, um, but we'll 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 see if Arsenal decide to do that. But um, we'll can I just on quickly to, cut you yeah. off on one thing? Yeah, so I think I think what Arteta is going to do against United, I think he's going to drop Thomas Partey. I think Zinchenko is going to come in, but I think the rest of the eleven is going to be the same. I think he's going to play Zinchenko, Kivior, Saliba, Ben White. I think the three-two build-up is going to be Kivior, Saliba, and White, and Rice is going to move from the left to the right, and Zinchenko is going to be the guy inverting. I just think he's not. He, I don't think he's ever going to play Party and Zinchenko as either fullback because they're there for one reason, in my opinion, and that's so that they can be in the midfield when they are on the ball. So I don't see both of them playing. I think he will vary it slightly and. I think the team that ended the game against um, United will probably be the team to start, um, I think, against Fulham, sorry, that ended the game against Fulham uh, will be the team to start against United. I think that's what's going to happen, but let's see. What's your prediction? Let's see who gets it right. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll definitely talk about that uh, in a bit. I, uh, does that include Fabio Vieira? Yeah, exactly. I think Fabio Vieira is going to play ahead of Havertz. That's my opinion. okay. Um, well, I'll tell you what. Let's 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 move on to those two then, because I think that is probably the other big storyline um, in this match, right? So, Kai Havertz, um, I think he was okay in the first half, and then the second half um, just kind of flat out disappointing. Um, and you know, I thought he was great at center forward against City in the Community Shield. I thought he was solid. Um, you know, playing at that left midfield mole, uh, left left center mid role against um, uh, why am I forgetting first? Forget? Nottingham Forest and Crystal Palace. Yeah. So you know, I thought it was acceptable. And then you know, this past match, um, I don't know what happened, but he you know he had those two wall passes, one with Martinelli, one with Rice, where they would pass it to him, and then you know with Martinelli, he clearly was meant to kind of play at an angle towards the run just passed it right back to Martinelli and he had to, you know, scramble to keep it from going out. And then, you know, I think this is the moment that everyone gave up on him where we were on the counter and Rice passed it to Havertz and he had acres of space to turn and run into. And he just and passed he it. Wrong as well, man. Yeah. yeah. Just passed it right back to Rice, but then Fulham intercepted and they, they countered on us. And, um, you know, he also didn't get on the end of, um, you know, pretty, pretty um, clear-cut opportunity in front of an empty net, but I think he was under a lot of pressure there. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it was, it, was, um, it was a tough performance for Havertz. And, you know, I think kind of in light of that as well with Fabio Vieira coming on and having a really, really good cameo, he won that penalty to make it 1-1, and then he played the assist for Enkedia to make it 2-1, really should have been, you know, the match winner. Um, I think those two things have kind of had people comparing the two side by side. And Havertz is definitely, in my opinion, the big scapegoat for this season. 
and um it's just for i i tweeted something out like this um yesterday but i, I just think the, the biggest irony from this game is that you know we saw fabio Vieira come on and this is a guy who people were getting really frustrated with last season there are calls to sell him they you know people are calling him a flop he came on had a really good cameo and you know suddenly people are you know saying this is his time he needs to he needs to start in that role and in the same breath kind of saying you know um we need to sell Havertz he's a flop we wasted the money um I saw people even tweeting at him like after the game so I mean you know what's uh what what's your opinion on well we'll we'll start with Fiera I mean what what was your opinion on the Vieira performance? And do you think that's indicative of maybe him earning a bigger role in this team moving forward? You know, we actually spoke about Vieira after the Emirates Cup. And I think both of us were very impressed with the confidence he showed on the ball during that game um, from the right-hand side. I thought he didn't do anything unbelievable. I was like, oh my God. But I thought he showed more confidence, more desire to get on the ball. And do something. And look, this is a confident sport at the end of the day. You know, Vieira's first season was marked by him getting patchy minutes. And this again ties into the point of rotation. It was not like he was consistently getting rotated. He was even hardly getting game time off the bench. Like the odd time Odegaard or Shaka were unavailable, you would see him. But that would be once after like 10 games. Or you would see him with the second string 11s in the Carabao Cup in the Europa League. But I still stand by what I maintain. Fabio Vieira is Arsenal's best final third player. I don't think there's a player in our team who has a better final ball than him. And people abused me when I said this a month ago when his stocks were at an all-time low. Um, I said that he has the best final ball in our squad. And they were like, oh, it's Odegaard. What are you smoking? And stuff like that. But you saw that pass to Eddie. Like... Bro, that was a De Bruyne-esque pass from that. Only difference, De Bruyne does it from the right half space. This guy is doing it from the left half space. He saw Eddie make the run. There's also a defender trying to cover the angle, but he gets it around him at perfect pace. And Eddie just has to touch it into the back of the net. And we saw it last season as well. I remember Wolves away, that match before the World Cup break. Arsenal played a shit first half. Granit Xhaka went off because he was unwell. Fabio Vieira was getting abused by fans at halftime. Oh, what does this guy even offer? Xhaka's a big miss. Second half, after three minutes, he gets into an amazing crossing position, cuts it back, Odegaard, 1-0 Arsenal. Thank you very much. We saw it at Brentford in his Premier League debut when Odegaard was injured at one of the hardest away grounds in the league. The goal he scored is outrageous, you know? And I'm not seeing... I mean, we see Xhaka score the odd stunner. But this one was like he just received the ball from... And I don't even think he had a right to shoot from that, but he smashed it in. And we have seen him doing that. And this is why Arteta brought bought him to Arsenal. Arteta bought Fabio Vieira to be our version of Kevin De Bruyne. I think he sees Vieira as that player who's going to get you 12, 13 goals and like 16, 17 assists. And you have to keep in mind, this guy has hardly played football matches at the highest level, let alone Arsenal. And in the little time he had at Porto, he was on top of like the assist charts in the Portuguese league. And people will say, ah, oh, it's Portuguese league. But that's where Luis Diaz also came from. And he's absolutely, uh, I think, an incredible winger and one of 
the best wingers in the league and the one to watch out for, I think, this season. So also yeah. Darwin Nunez. Yeah, his stocks and, have also gone down, you know. And, yes. and Ruben Diaz. Yeah, yeah. There's exactly. some good players coming out of the Portuguese league. Don't I I would not sleep on them. Exactly, exactly. And they somehow seem to adapt well to Premier League football as well. And, and I, maybe it's to do with the physicality. I don't know. But most of them, even Matthias Nunes, you can see yeah. after a year, he's got that big move to City. So, yeah, don't underestimate these guys. And I think Vieira, I think this is going to be his season and his moment to shine. Because what we need now, when Arteta keeps saying, oh, we need to be better in the boxes, we need to be better in the boxes... We already spoke about the first part, which is stop the bozo moments and the errors in our own half. Yeah. The second half is how can we kill teams in the final third in their own half? And I think that's why Fabio Vieira is there to kill teams out. That don't give him even a bit of space. He's going to whip it in and, you know, it's he's going to cause chaos. So I think he's the guy. And I think it's very obvious that um, he's going to be the one that's going to. I think take us to the next level this season, and I think he will. He rightfully earns his uh, place against United. The way he played, um, coming off the bench, difficult game state, one nil. The player he's replaced has been booed off, not booed off, but has sort of taken some heat from the crowd just moments ago with his um, like back pass, so as to speak. So he comes with some pressure. And people are also always waiting to get on Vieira's back, but for him to shake all of that off and just play with expression. I think the icing on the cake would have been if his shot at the end uh, went in. But, you know, you can't really ask for more. He did what I want from that left eight. He was making those runs. Um, Martinelli would come inside and he would go on the outside and he has such a nice left foot. So I expect to see more of that. But I think he, he might even be more devastating from that right-hand side. So... Yeah, what a player. What a, what a cracking player we've got on our hands. And let's hope he can carry this on um, against United. Yeah. I, um, I, I've, I've also been banging the drum for Vieira for a while. I think he's a, you know, he's a really, really good creative player. I agree with that assessment that he's probably got the best final ball in the team. And that's why it came on on Saturday. We, you know, we needed someone to, on that left-hand side, to just, you know, get people into dangerous positions. And I think, you know, that wasn't really happening between Kivior and and Havertz mm-hmm. on, on, on Saturday. So we brought on Zinchenko, we brought on Vieira, and those are two guys who can pass the ball really well. Probably the two best passers in, yep. in the team, right? Um, I also think Odegaard is a really good final ball, but I think Vieira, Vieira is very direct. Um, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Odegaard, Odegaard strikes me as more of like a good like pre-assist passer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but Vieira Vieira is the guy who's going to get you into scoring positions, um, and we see him do that a lot. Like you said, I um yeah, so I'm really happy for him that he came in and you know he had that moment, and I do want to see him become a bigger part of this team moving forward. I will disagree slightly in that. I don't think he's earned the start just yet, just mm-hmm. because for for as good as he is on the ball, Vieira statistically is among the worst players defensively, uh, or sorry, the worst midfielders defensively. You know, he's mm-hmm. uh, if you go on like FB ref for for tackles, um, he's kind of in single digits in the first percentile, even in a couple instances. Um, so it's the off the ball work that I want to see better from him in. But 
you know, I'm I'm thinking of him in terms of the systems that we've played in terms of, you know, this current one or the yeah. one that we were playing last season, which required the left center mid to do a lot of off the ball work, right? So if you can get Vieira into a situation where he doesn't have to do all of that, where he's not tasked winning the second uh, second balls or winning the aerials, um, obviously, you know, he still has to be part of the pressing and, you know, he has to try to win the ball up the pitch. But I think if I you think can get him... Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's a bad presser. But I I think if you can get him into situations where you're not relying heavily on him defensively, I think Mm -hmm. I think he can really shine. But in this current system, he strikes me as more of um, of a finisher rather than a starter. But um, we'll see. I mean, I I think he can succeed. I just I just want to see a little bit more from him personally. Um, I wouldn't start either Havertz or Vieira against United. I would start Rice at that left center mid position. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll get on that in a few minutes. And so so there's there's the Vieira cameo, but then you know in addition to that, there's kind of the the Havertz disappointment, right? And um, you know, not semi serious question: Do you think Havertz is a flop, Sash? I'll tell you something, okay? So, <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget, first of all, I think we need a history lesson here for some of, like, our viewers. So, we have to go all the way back to 2019 when Granit Xhaka, he got um, that uh, infamous moment against Crystal Palace and people were like, oh, he's so shit. Why is he playing? Why is Unai playing him? Shark, uh, play Gwenduzi and play Lucas Torreira in midfield. They are the future. And then four years later, everyone said, oh no, maybe we should not have moved on from Shaka so early on. He He's such an important player. And what happened to Gwenduzi and Torreira? No one even knows, right? And it's not, it's not just like these two. I think Arsenal fans have a history of writing off good midfielders. We even saw it with Aaron Ramsey in that season. He came back from his leg break. Uh, he had a really difficult time in the first few months. People were like, oh, what does Wenger see in Ramsey? Like, oh my God, what does he even do on the pitch? And I was seeing all sorts of comments like this. 2013-14, best midfielder in the Premier League. Uh, breaks the eight-year trophy drought for the club. Then we also saw what happened when Martin Odegaard played his first few matches for Arsenal. Um, oh, this guy's not scoring goals. He's not assisting. Then we saw what happened last, even in the season when he was permanently signed. I remember this tweet was going viral on Twitter yesterday about how Odegaard does something somewhat similar to what Havertz did. Picks the ball up. Tommy has to make a run, but Odegaard opts to play it backwards. And this tweet was from like 2021, which was something like, Wallahi, this guy cannot play the ball forward. <laughs> Right? And all the courts were like, what did Arteta see in Odegaard? 35 million down the drain. It was crazy. The criticism yeah. was crazy for someone who had played his third, fourth Premier League uh, start for that season. And you also have to remember, Odegaard was benched for Lacazette for two whole months. right? And then from there, he's transitioned himself from this guy who everyone said, ah, he's he can't, he's just a pretty footballer. To a guy that's equaled Yaya Toure's all-time goal-scoring record from midfield. Okay, This is Odegaard's evolution. The one point I can hear from Arsenal fans is that we don't have time. We cannot afford to bed in someone like Havertz and make him adapt because uh, we're competing against City. 
if you tell me that i will completely agree with you that yeah maybe we have to like you know have this balance between maybe using havers trying to help him out a bit but also winning games right and that's why i think havers should be dropped for the next match because i still think at the moment he's a center forward as you mentioned he played really well against city but with eddie in the form that he is right now i don't think you can drop him and i think arteta is definitely not going to drop him after dropping him and we struggle in the first half and once he comes on he makes a big impact i don't see him being dropped and i see i and as a result i don't see havertz starting the next match so i think yeah i agree with people who say that we cannot afford to give havertz too much time as well because we need to win matches totally agree with you on that but to write him off after three games and say he's a complete flop it's quite hilarious to me just have a look at the chelsea team he played in as well in those three seasons he was at chelsea correct me if i'm wrong i think the top scorers for chelsea were like jorginho for like a couple of seasons on penalties they didn't have a team that was scoring 85 90 goals in the league and based on the evidence of the first two or three games you're seeing havertz getting quite a few chances in the box as well like he's getting at least a couple of chances in each match and the first game he should have had an assist declan rice it's the post against palace he does really well in the first like 3 minutes and plays it to martinelli and martinelli doesn't finish it and this match he again has a couple of chances where he should have scored he didn't score and i i get it people are going to meme him chelsea fans they have this weird agenda on the guy despite him winning them a champions league that they brag about that's cool but again <laughs> fans are lacking a bit of objectivity we're a team that scored almost 90 goals last season It's quite clear that Havertz is better in the box than Xhaka is. He just needs a bit more confidence because this guy in the Bundesliga, he was a midfielder. He reminded me so much of like an Ozil Deli Ali type of hybrid. He he definitely has a playmaker's instinct in him. He can play the ball forward. That pass to Eddie, he has it. At the moment he's not showing it because for the past two and a half years, this guy has been shoehorned into to play as a center forward, which he does quite well. and his whole game is now about okay let me hold it up let me play it like this and then go into the box i think arteta is trying to change that a bit whether he does that time will tell but i still think he's a really talented footballer who needs to be shown a lot of love he's coming from a place from a team that finished like 12th last season all the fans are abusing him there so i think we should show him a little bit of love let him adapt you know give him some time and space and on the, the on the other hand it's not like i'm saying play havertz 38 out of 38 games and build everything around it i'm saying drop him for now because he had a difficult game let's recognize that let's get viera in and let let havertz watch the team make some good impact off the bench and then come back play him in the cups play him in champions league as well against certain opposition there is a place for him in the squad arsenal have every profile halen has some amazing number eights nuanieri patino Miles Lewis Kelly the first team has amazing number 6s we have strikers wingers everything we don't have that second striker profile in our team that thomas muller profile and i think havertz is a very unique profile and i think he's going to prove a lot of people wrong mm-hmm. um and yeah i think when he proves people wrong i would like for us to come back to this clip of this discussion <laughs> yeah yeah no i I you know I I I love that point that you brought up about um you know kind of the that ball that he played to Martinelli against Crystal Palace because we are not far off from a timeline 
in which Havertz has a goal and two assists in his in his first three games, right? Um, I I lost it when because uh, it was a beautiful ball from Havertz. I lost it when Martinelli picked up that ball on his right foot in space in the penalty box and did not take a shot, right? And you know we didn't have a chance to talk about Palace, so you know I'm, that I'll talk about like this a little bit, right? Haver should have had an assist there, and Martinelli has has been in iffy form to start the season. I was furious when he didn't hit that first time. It exactly. it should have been a straightforward chance for for a player as good as him, right? So that's assist number one. Assist number two actually I think should have come during the Fulham game because Havertz went near post on a corner headed across goal and then I forget who the ball fell to um but they they didn't get in the back of the net they like they had a bad first touch and then you know they they hit it over the the, the crossbar but you know Havertz I think did a really good job to get onto that first ball and put it into a really dangerous situation and of course you know there there was the the loose ball across the face of the goal that he didn't get to in time there was that Ball, I think, by Saka played again across the face of the goal that he didn't gamble on that he should have, right? And so the negatives in there are what people are focusing on, but I think he's getting into these really excellent positions, and it's just mm-hmm. a matter of him understanding the relationships around him. You know, he's not he's not playing a simple role. He's not just, you know, getting the ball and turning and running, right? He He basically is playing as a midfielder off the ball, Right. And he has to he has to win his aerial duels. He has to win his ground duels, which he's doing, by the way, 100 percent of his aerial duels won two thirds of his ground duels won against Fulham. Still, he reclaimed or uh, he reclaimed possession five times. Right. He's still really good off the ball. But in addition to that, he has to combine on the left hand side with Martinelli and a different left back every week so far. Right. Mm -hmm. And then he has to get into the box as a second striker and play off someone. But, you know. I, I love Nketi and as good as he is, right, he's he's not he's not like a guy to play off of sometimes, right? Um so I think Havertz is still learning that. Um so yeah, it's it's a really tricky it's a really tricky assignment for him. And you know, there are gonna be situations in which he looks iffy. Um yeah. all that being said, I would not play him against United. And this isn't just because of the Fulham game. I kind of already went into Fulham thinking to myself, I want party Odegaard Rice against against United but you know I think he's a really misunderstood player and you know I'm not saying we should give him the year that we gave Fiera you know we paid this guy we we paid 65 million for him and I guess we're paying 512,000 a week or whatever amount fans are making up no 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 I I just for I I think it's like I think it's in the low 200s but I feel like every time someone reports his his wage it just goes up like (laughs) yeah um, yeah. So that's gonna be. I think that might be a running joke. I do this this season, where I'm just gonna <laughs> increase his value, his his wage every time I talk about him. Yeah. So we're paying we're paying him six hundred forty thousand a week, right? And you know, I just, I he definitely doesn't deserve a year, but no. I think he just needs you know a few weeks, maybe a month, just you know, just to kind of understand the role that he has. And if he still looks shaky at that point, then you know it's time to kind of consider switching things up for him, giving him something simpler to do. And, you know, we go from there, but I Havertz is not a player I am concerned about at this point in time. Yeah, absolutely. And also we have uh, Odo Salem who 
had mentioned if Arteta actually wants to work on Havertz, why not use him from the bench now and start the likes of Vieira and ESR? Sham, I know that you don't see it exactly the same way. Like you might, as you mentioned, you might probably want to play Declan Rice um, and Party in midfield. But I, I agree with the overarching point uh, from Odo Salem here because I remember Odegaard as well when he was struggling when he first joined Arsenal um, in 2021 um, permanently. I remember Arteta benching him for a whole couple of months and playing Lacazette and Aubameyang up front. He played like this 4-4-2. And I think Odegaard, after those two months, he came into the team and he looked a completely different player. I remember he went on this run of games. It was, um, if my memory serves me right, we beat Southampton 2-0 and he scores in that match. Uh, before that, we played against United. We at Old Trafford, we lose 3-2, but Odegaard scores in that game as well. And Everton at Goodison Park, he opens the scoring. So he went on this really amazing run. And even after this run of games, we saw Leeds away, the way he was pulling the strings and he went from a player where everyone was criticizing to a player this fan base just fell in love with in December of 2021 after he spent a couple of months off. So it might not be the worst idea to give Harvards, you know, a little bit of breathing space. And I know people are going to say 65 million and 512k a week. People are going to criticize him with these ridiculous numbers. But the fact of the matter is, like, he's a human being. He's a young footballer coming from a team that finished 12th, everyone in their fan base has abused him to no end. Now he's facing vitriol from our own fans. And you can say, yeah, maybe in certain occasions he should do better, which is fine. But I think let's be, let's see the human side of it, be a bit empathetic. And as you mentioned, give him a few months to settle in because I think once he settles in and if he can click, we have a player who I think gets you, I think 12, 13 league goals, I think six to seven assists. And I think he, he will get more numbers than what Granit Xhaka uh, got for us. So I think we need to be patient with him. He's a work in progress, but one with a really high um, ceiling. So thank you for your comment again, Odo. I think, yeah, we should bench him against United. And let's see what Arteta does. It'll be interesting. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't think uh, uh, Odo's, Odo's idea is is that crazy at all, right? You know, I think... If Havertz is struggling, then yeah, I think you have to do something to kind of assist him to take the pressure off him a little bit. So I think there are going to be plenty of games in which Havertz comes off the bench. And that's and that's fine, because that's going to be the case for most of the players in this squad, honestly. We're already seeing it with Gabrielle. So um it's you know, it's not it's not some indication that Arteta doesn't rate him suddenly. So yeah, no, I think I think that is something that we might see happen. I wouldn't Again, I think Havertz is coming off the bench against United, and um, yeah. So again, not not worried about him. Just just needs some time. But you know, speaking of United, and we we've hit the hour mark here, so we'll we'll put a bow on things with this. Um, United is coming to the Emirates on Sunday, and um, you know they they went two nil down against Nottingham Forest at the weekend within five minutes, and then they turned it around. Uh, although I'm, I, I hear that there was a pretty outrageous penalty, or not penalty, but a pretty outrageous call in their favor during that game. Imagine my shock. It's all traffic. <laughs> it's a theater of steals by United. Yeah. yeah. So looking, looking forward to um, whatever crazy madness is called by the referee uh, at the Emirates. That'll be, that'll be nice. But um, yeah, so I mean... 
it's it's going to be interesting to see how we approach this, especially in light of the Fulham match. I think we'd all agree that this is a must-win game. You know, if we want to at least keep points or keep pace with City, um, you know, with De Bruyne being out apparently until the new year uh, for uh, with injury, I think it's it's pretty imperative that we don't trail mm-hmm. too far behind them. And um, yeah, Sash, how would how would you set up against United and, um, you know, how confident are you feeling? You know something, I actually think we might drop points again this match, personally. I think it might be a draw again. And I think Arteta will make some big changes post the international break. Um, I think post the international break, he might get David Raya um, in goal. I think that's what he's going to do. But I think for this United game, what I would do personally is I would I would play the same team that we did against um, Fulham, except I would remove Party, bring in Sinchenko, move Ben White back to right back uh, so that he can overlap um, with Saka. Um, and what I would also do is I would get in Fabio Vieira and for Kai Havertz and Eddie and Ketia for Trossard. These are the changes I would make. So. I'm going to tell you my full team. It's going to be Ramsdale, Ben White, Saliba, Kvyar, Sinchenko, Declan Rice, Odegaard, Vieira, Martinelli, Eddie, and Saka. This is the team that I'm going to go for. And I also think it's the team that Arteta will probably end up going for. I don't see him changing it drastically. And I know people are scared of United. And I know they have the transitional threat. And no matter how much JDP they try to play, they're always going to be long ball FC to Rashford. We know the threat that they have. But I don't think Arteta respects United as much as some of our fans do personally. And I think, honestly, United as a team, we should be cooking with the quality we have. So we just have to like turn up. Because if Saka, Martinelli, Eddie and Vieira and Odegaard turn up, it's going to be a long night for them. Um, but I still see us... Maybe having few bad moments in this game. I don't know why. Maybe it's just years of um, PTSD hitting. But I, I don't know. Like I feel like that something might go wrong in this game. And in typical Arteta fashion, he used the international break to bin the first choice goalkeeper like he did with Leno a couple of years ago. And again, it's the PTSD, you know, kicking in from what happened two years ago. Um, yeah. Maybe obviously we're not the same team. Like. Joke, jokes apart, we're not the same team, but it's the Emirates, and I don't know. I feel like something might go wrong, but it's maybe just the pessimist and fearful person in me. But if we turn up, we should be absolutely spanking them, to be honest, Sham. But how do you see it? Do you also see it the same way? I know you said that you want Declan Rice and Party in midfield, but mm-hmm. I would also like to know from you not only the team that you would play but also the team that you think Arteta would play? Um, So the team I would play is Ramsdale, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko, and then Mm -hmm. Party at the six, Odegaard, Declan Rice at the left eight, then Saka, Nketiah, Martinelli. That's the team I would play. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think... I think that's what Arteta will do, but I, you know, you know, after us talking about it a little bit, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he does something weird, right? 
if if like I wouldn't be surprised like if he if he sticks with this like if he sticks with what he did against Fulham we see party again at right back and then um and then White Saliba I don't think you'd play Zinchenko if he played party at right back so like maybe like Tomiyasu um back after the suspension um so oh, maybe yeah Oh yeah, he's back. Sorry, I think he plays ahead of Kibir. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, actually, you know what? Uh, I'm I'm gonna change it. You know what I think Arteta yeah. might do? Yeah. Uh, Ramsdale, Tomiyasu, White, Saliba, Zinchenko, mm-hmm. Party, Odegaard, Rice, uh, Saka, and Kedia Martinelli. Oh, okay. I just. Yeah, I um I have a but feeling think- that he's gonna want to maintain that ball progression at the back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but I I know like I I would bet I would bet the house on the fact that he wants to pack that midfield with physicality and he wants mm-hmm. to dominate them right because United's probably going to roll out midfield of Bruno Fernandez, uh, Christian Eriksen and Casemiro right yeah. uh, Fernandez non-existent off the ball um, Eriksen not much better uh, and he's old and Casemiro you know I think we're a few so- weeks away from. Yeah, we're a few weeks away from like his his hamstrings falling off his legs. His first red card of the season. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I do think something stupid's gonna happen, and I think we're either gonna give them a goal or Casemiro is like gonna go studs up on someone and I get away hope, with it. I just hope that no leg breaks from Arden because the way these guys played rugby in preseason, yeah. Lis- Lisandro and Casemiro, absolutely kicking the shit out of our players. Like we need to be a bit. I hope nothing happens, but. Yeah, I could see a sending off to yeah. this match. I, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if Casemiro or Lissandra do something like red card worthy and completely get away with it. Um, yeah. but you know, I like that that midfield to me is like really physically weak. Um mm-hmm. they're not they're not gonna do much off the ball. Obviously, Casemiro will like factor in a little bit, but you know, I I think he's enjoying a nice little tumble off the age cliff right now. Um and I don't mind starting Zinchenko in this game because Anthony does not scare me at all. Um, and I, at the same time, I want someone to lock up Rashford, right? Because Rashford's the one guy in that team who can really hurt you, right? Yeah. Um, so I want to lock that up. And then I like having Enkedia on the pitch because, you know, Champions League Varane has passed it. Uh, Alessandro Martinez, um, you know, I don't think he's going to get turned completely around like he did against Salah, but... Yeah. I don't think Martinez is good enough to pick up the runs and Ketty would go on. Yeah. And I think he's also going to be um, pretty preoccupied double teaming Saka as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I like having Enkedia there just to stretch the defense a little bit and open things up. And that'll hopefully help Martinelli against Juan Bissaka. That's a matchup that I'm not thrilled with based on Martinelli's current form. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's a team I would go with because I really want to just control that midfield and bully them in the center of the park. And I think if you have Rice and Party there, especially, you're mm-hmm. you're going to be able to do that. Um, so I think we're going to win 3-1. That seems to be the scoreline we always beat United uh, with. You can see the Emirates as well. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think we'll I think we'll go one nil up and we'll feel great. And then you know, 73 seconds later, we're gonna pass the ball in front of our own goal and Rashford will smash it, smash it home. And yeah. then I, I think we'll pick it up from there. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling confident. I don't rate this United team at all. I just, you know, 
no more bozo moments, right? This this team needs to be a hundred percent focused for ninety minutes. Take these guys seriously. Kick their asses. Go home. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, I agree with you on this. Like, just a couple of things. So mm-hmm. I also want to slander Anthony, but I <laughs> believe we let him score at Old Trafford last season. So I'm going to just save the slander for after the game. And um, also regarding Rashford, yes, while I think we need to contain him 1v1, I think the best way to stop Rashford is to stop the supply line to him. Make sure that you don't get into this situation where, you know, Rashford's on the shoulders defender, Bruno or someone has a lot of space and then they're going to whip it. Because I think once Rashford is like, like already accelerating, it's not easy to like stop him. So you need to get him frustrated a bit. And I think Rashford is at his worst when he doesn't touch the ball much, he gets frustrated. He stops fighting uh, for the ball. So hopefully we can have him uh, in that sort of a, a state. And before we end this podcast, I also want to do a quick shout out to Eddie and Ketia, who we didn't really speak about. Thought he was exceptional again once he came on um, against Fulham. And he was exceptional against Palace. Yeah. He was great against uh, Forest as well. He's been our best player so far. I think the season in these three matches and he cooked United last time as well by scoring a brace, late winner. So looking forward to him hopefully turning up uh, against United again. And yeah, let's hope it's a 3-1 victory, a stress-free 3-1 victory where we're 3-0 up and we concede in the last second of the game and we know the game's already won because I don't want more stress this weekend. Yeah, I uh, I, I want to co-sign that um, the, that praise for Enkedia. I think he's been phenomenal this season. And, um, you know, we talk about mentality monsters a lot. And yeah. I, I think Enkedia is a mentality monster. I mean, that guy that guy does not give up. He works and works and works. And we've seen that since the, the All or Nothing documentary, where he basically told uh, Sambi to put his head down and stop complaining. And, uh, you know, that's... It wasn't just talk, you know, and Kedia really does that and really puts in the effort and works his socks off and earns his way into this team. And then, you know, as we've seen all three match days so far, as soon as he's gotten on the pitch, he's he's earned that right to play and he's made an impact. So, Absolutely. you know, if if Jesus is fit to play and he starts, that's great. But, you know, if Nketiah is the guy starting at center forward against United, then I am absolutely fine with that. He is a great player. And um, I think it's time that we admit that he deserves to be in this team. So Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good place to end it as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll call it there. Uh, thank you so much for those of you who've joined us for the, the live stream. Uh, thank you guys for your comments and, and for being here. And for those of you who are perhaps listening at a later time, thank you for listening as well or watching. Thank you for watching. Uh, so, again, please, you know, follow the pod at This Week Arsenal. Follow Sash at LT Arsenal. You can follow me at Shamsdale. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe. If you're watching on Spotify, uh, also apologies for whatever truck is backing out in the alley next to me. But if you're watching on Spotify, you know, give us, you know, five stars and recommend to your friends um, and, you know, subscribe there. If you're watching the Apple, uh, you know, five stars, good reviews, leave a review. That's, that's what I should be saying. And then, you know, tell your friends as well. So, um, and we're working on, you know, rebranding the YouTube channel. Um, Sash and I have each put out uh, a YouTube video so far. Sash is working on one. I'm working on one that should hopefully arrive later this week. And um, yeah, so we've got some got some content coming for you guys in the pipeline. And um, we're looking forward to, 
you know, building the channel and building things as we move along. So um, we hope you'll join us for the journey. So uh, with all that being said, we will talk to you after a hopefully historic win. I want to, we've been, we've been seeing, you know, a lot of these 12 years ago, uh, Manchester United beat Arsenal 8-2, you know, um, bullshit tweets today. I want us to be talking about this game 12 years from now. So we'll hopefully talk to you after a historic win against Manchester United. Until then, uh, stay safe and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you.